What happens when you open up your home, your heart, your faith, for lack of a better term, perhaps your church to anyone? And you just say, God loves everybody, so everybody come in. Well, then you're mirroring the heart of Christ, and that's a good thing. But don't expect this to happen without kickback. And Peter is about to get kicked back. Those of you that have been listening, following along, know about Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> so now, Acts chapter 11. This is after Cornelius and his family and so many others were baptized, who were all Gentiles. They received the Holy Spirit, they were baptized. Now Peter goes back. The apostles and brothers throughout Judea heard the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. These are people who've never read, in particular, the book of Luke, which, to be fair, may not have been out there yet. Uh, in the book of Luke, in particular, Jesus is shown eating with people that the Jews would have thought, no, you're not allowed to eat with them. He continually eats with people. Back then, you are who you eat with. It was a sign of fellowship and brotherhood, and you did not eat with somebody that you did not consider a fellow and a brother or a sister. So they're, they're going, I've, what are you doing? Yeah, because remember to them, being a Christian didn't mean that you weren't a Jew anymore. They still, most believers were still Jews by far. And they believed that Christ was brought into the Jewish system, but which he was, but they did not understand that now the system was changed. They weren't on the rooftop when that sheet came down with all the different animals and God said, all those rules I'm now laying aside because now we need to go in this direction. They didn't, they didn't get to be there. So Peter began in verse four and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. And we're not going to actually read this. We're going to you know, look at it as we go down through because it is exactly what did happen uh, in chapter 10. And so we already know this. Whenever he gets there, he talks about um, the Holy Spirit came upon them, about how we, we saw this angel. Uh, and then we spoke to them. And in verse 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them. In other words, the Holy Spirit embraced them. He fellowshiped them. How dare we not? Then I remembered what the Lord had said. Now, here's something which is new information. We don't, we don't remember, uh, I'm sorry, we don't have what he remembered in chapter 10. He brings it up in chapter 11, quoting Jesus, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter goes on, so if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Wow, that went a lot better than it could have gone. Absolutely. I know a man who's a, a dear friend of ours and a man who's done so much great work for Jesus and done so in love, who years and years ago, after the assassination of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, stood up in the pulpit 
and talked about the sin of being prejudiced and the sin of division among the races. And he was fired that afternoon. And I wish I could tell you that that was a singular story, but it is not. I also have seen African-Americans kicked out of their community because they wanted to embrace whites or Asians or Vietnamese, whoever was in their area too. We are all a part of our people, aren't we? And we, we all have to fight to realize all people are people and they're God's people. Even if they, they act in a different way and speak different and they like different things, it is so difficult for us not to start judging and sorting like we were you know, flicking it through a deck of cards saying, all right, well, this is a little better than this one. That one's a little better than this one in this part. And we have to get over ourselves and realize that every single person born on earth is created and designed by God and that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us need exactly the same savior for exactly the same reasons and that we're not going to heaven alone. Therefore, we need to accept the brotherhood and sisterhood of all people. And that's easier to say than it is to do sometimes because while God told, well, he told me to love everybody, sometimes I'll talk to God and say, I'd like to, but this person's making it a lot harder than they need to. And, and that's done understanding that very often I'm the person making it harder. All right, what a, what a mess we are. But God has opened up the church to us all. Isn't that brave of him? Because when we walk in, we bring our messes. Well, there are, there's some exciting times about to happen here in the book of Acts. Verse 19, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Yay! Not hang. Hold on. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a good number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He sought out Saul. He'd met him. You remember that? He had said, I'll vouch for him. But then Saul went away. He's gone to look for him. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Let me get just dispense with the myth here. There are some religious bodies who believe that we should not wear the name Christian. We should call ourselves witnesses or something else because they say that the word Christian was given to us as a derisory. You know, it was, it was um, an insult. It was kind of like calling the, um, the Americans Yankees was considered, your Yankee doodle was considered a great insult. And the Yanks, of course, turned this around to make it uh, a plus and sang songs and, and beat the British. We all know that story. 
uh, and how you ruined completely good breakfast beverage. But anyway, we'll, we, let's move on. Let's move on. Anyway, um, this they'll say the word Christian is not, no, that's not what. We are witnesses, we're disciples, or something else. Now, the word here, the krimatizo, it in the Greek, and I don't speak Greek, but I rely heavily on people who are Greek professors, and I approach them, and these are from different religious groups. And all with one accord, and every lexicon I can find, every, every source I can find, says that the word called here means called from above or called in a divine manner. It is God who called us Christians. It was not in derision. It was the name he gave us, those who are like Christ. And I, I love that. Marshall Keeble, the great African-American preacher of the middle of the last century, used to even use the illustration. He'd write the word Christian on the board. And then he said, if you erase Christ and you take Christ out of Christian, you got I-A-N, which means I ain't nothing. I always loved that illustration. Well, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire world, and this did happen during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did by sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Money is to be used and moved. Remember, Jesus warned against storing up. And I know we, we try to be good stewards and take care of our families, which we must do. Uh, but I think sometimes we allow the fear, the scarcity mindset of the world to become our mindset. So uh, before this time, money had gone out from the Jews to reach the Gentiles. Some of it not uh, voluntarily. Um, remember verse 19, it was shoved out there because the Jews were fleeing from persecution. But where they went, they took their faith, and part of their faith is the giving of alms. They took that with them and took care of the poor and shared, and you know, shared their meals, their homes, their money. And then when they find out a great famine is going to take place, it's really going to hit back in Jerusalem, they start gathering to send it back that way. And we're going to see this continually moving money about to where it is needed. And that is the way that it should be. My parents, uh, originally they were a military family that then became a missionary family. And I can remember how uh, just brutal it was to try to find enough money to go do good stuff for Jesus. There were times that people would be sitting, the churches would be sitting on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is back in the 70s, 60s and 70s. And whenever we would ask for three or $4,000 to supply a great need in this country, they would say, well, literally, one eldership said, we really feel like we need to sit on this because, you know, for a rainy day. And my first thought was, well, it's never gonna be that rainy. But we do grab, don't we? We do hold on, more to our shame. Well, excitement and drama. Peter, again, is at the center. Chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Herod was just, there's no redeeming quality about the Herods. Uh, Herod the Great wasn't great. None of them were. He arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. 
he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. I want you to think about what is not here. This is the first death of a apostle that we know about. And we're not given any more details and we're not given. And the wrath of God descended and he threw his people out on the street and they attacked Roman soldiers and they, no. It is amazing it's not there because God has always told us, you do what is right, expect opposition, expect pain, and sometimes death. And don't look for justice on this earth. We are strangers here. We don't get justice. That's, no, does that mean we just don't ever care about justice? Of course not. Of course we push for justice in our courts, in our laws, in our communities, in our hearts. But we do not expect this world to really act like God wants it to act. And so we're not shocked, we're not surprised. Let me give you a different illustration. I had just come back to America, it was in the mid to late 80s, and there was a Christian college that was having a lectureship on a subject I was interested in, but it wasn't in my city. So I had to, had to drive and get a hotel and then go back and forth to the, the university each day um, it was a good program, didn't mind doing that. Well, this is back in late 80s, mind. So it's a different world than most of you know. And I drove, um, I realized, oh, I'd missed, I'd, I'd forgotten to bring a notebook to take notes. So uh, I saw a, a news agent, we would have called them in Breton, and I forget, I think it was called People's News or something like that in this, in this, this wee town, but brilliant. So I pulled over, hopped in, I'm looking around, uh, I grab a notebook, I grab a pen, I grab a newspaper, because we didn't have the internet back then, and news wasn't 24-7, so you had to read a newspaper to find out what, not really what was going on, but what went on the day before. And I stood up like this, and everything here was pornography. Everything. So I turned to the side. Everything over there was pornography. I didn't know I'd walked into a shop that that was their main product. Now, I wish I could tell you that my first thought was, woe be upon all of you and you will be struck with destruction from above and I smell sulfur coming from the floor. No, my first thought was, every church leader I know in America is at this thing and this is glass front and they gotta drive right by and see my face looking out. So I put everything down, hopped in my car, got out of there. I don't know why I wouldn't buy a notebook there probably self-righteous or fearful. I don't, I don't know. Don't remember that bit. Uh, when I remember my stories, I'm much braver than I really was. So I drove on and I told the story to a friend of mine. He goes, doesn't that just infuriate you? And I went, you know, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it surprised me, shocked me even. I um, wasn't sure what to do, but I wasn't surprised because I didn't expect this world to be Christian. I didn't expect this world to behave. When I'm cheated at the mechanics or whenever I'm pulled over when I wasn't the one speeding or, okay, I don't expect justice down here. James, a brother of John was killed with the sword and that's all they said. But Herod, when he saw that that pleased the Jews, he said, let's kill a few more of them. So he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. That means there are a whole lot of people in town he could grab.
It was a target-rich environment. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Well, let's let the mob leave. They weren't a mob. He just didn't want the crowd to become a mob. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Very important. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. I think it's pretty cool that he was sleeping. Um, I don't know how much sleep he normally got, but he seemed to be okay. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the, in the cell. He struck Peter on the side. <laughs> I, that, that this is a funny story. It really is. I don't understand why people don't laugh when they read this story. It's more like, oh, behold, you know, and I'm just going, it's funny. It's like the angel appears. And, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Yep, they didn't let you walk around with that stuff. Put on, Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you, follow me, the angel. It's like he's a toddler. You know, it's like, well, get your coat on, okay. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. You know, me too. If it'd been me, I gotta say, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. Well, they passed the first and the second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and then they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Why? Well, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to give you a guess. So please, 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 please know that this is a guess. I don't see a lot of times in Scripture where God does something for us that we are fully capable of doing on our own including salvation, including dying for our sins. There's no way Peter could have gotten out of that jail. No way he could have gotten those, those cuffs off of him, those shackles. No way he could have gotten the doors open or get past the second and third set of guards or get the city gates open. He, he couldn't do that. But you know what Peter could do? He could sneak. He could sneak on his own through the dark streets and find his way back to his community that was praying for him. Not sure about what. I'll explain that here in a bit. Verse 11, then Peter came to himself like, oh yeah, okay, it's on me now. This is real. Now that I know without a doubt the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating and goes. I don't know that he made the noise, but there he went. And when this had dawned on him, <laughs> I, just, I like Peter. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, by the way, Mary was quite wealthy, so was John. This is a, a John Mark, uh, who would be rejected by Paul and then asked for when Paul got a little bit more sympathetic, a little more tender-hearted. They came from North Africa, and they had a lot of properties in North Africa, but also in Judea. So that's where the church naturally gathered because it was a larger place and somewhat secure. Mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came down to the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, 
she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Because why would you open the door when the guy you're praying for has shown up and Romans are searching for him? I can't think of a possible reason why you might want to let him in. <laughs> but I actually can. It's not a reason, but it is an explanation. They were praying for him, but they weren't expecting him to get released. Isn't that interesting? Because again, we're told, we brought this up last time by atheists, that these people here just believed miracle, 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 miracle. They were so gullible. No, these people were praying for a release that they did not expect. So maybe they weren't praying for a release at all. Remember I said, what were they praying for? Maybe they were praying that he'd be strong as he died. Maybe they were praying that God would give him the words to use. But when God exceeded and actually brought Peter to them, Rhoda didn't even answer the door. And she's not the only one. They went, she said, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, no, it must be his angel. Nobody's going to the door to look and see. So it's like, okay, well, if there is a voice and it sounds like him, it's gotta be his angel. You know, I would love to have sat them down and worked through that decision tree, that little logic table that did the step-by-step. -step. Um, there are people that take this passage and also the passage in Matthew where Jesus talks about children saying, their angels are before my father's throne always and asks, do we have guardian angels? Do we each have an angel assigned to us? My, the answer to the first question is yes, there are guardian angels. Do we each have an angel assigned to us? I don't know. The Bible is not exactly super plain on that, but that a lot of people do have angels assigned to them. Yes, since God's not a respecter of persons, I would assume that most if not all do, but I don't know. I don't, I just don't know. God has not delivered that to us in scripture and revelation has not made it plain to all of us. So, but Peter kept on knocking. I wonder if the knocking eventually got louder. Cause you know, at first it was just like, Peter, it's me, open the door. And after a while, come on, come on. Hunted guy, you know, apostle, Herod wants to kill him right here. They opened the door, saw him and they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet. Like, cause you know, when they open the door, it's Peter. No, shh, shut the door. I, I just love this story. It's just one of my favorite stories. Can you tell? And he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said. And then he left for another place. I like that. He left for another place. Why? Because everybody's going to go look for him there. Because that's known as a gathering place for those people that follow Christ. So they're going to go there. Peter, Peter, good on you, man. He moves away so that he won't be there and cause them trouble. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. 
After Herod had a thorough search for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. I've had people before that have said, wait a minute, if God saved Peter, why didn't he save the guards? Peter would later die crucified. Keeping us from dying is not what Jesus did. It's keeping us from dying forever. Humans die. Sometimes too young. Sometimes we live longer than we wanted to live. But we all pass from here. I will pass as well, you will pass. And so, yeah, God did not condemn these men to death. They were going to die. But the one who's at fault for their death is Herod, not God. If you're thinking, well, God could have killed Herod, do you really want God to go around starting to kill evil people? Because if he does, you're on the list, as am I. Let's be really careful. And if you're trying right now, well, I'm no Herod, I'm no Hitler. Let's set the bar a little bit more reasonable place than that, shall we? Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He'd been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but now they joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, his name's Blastus, a trusted personal servant to the king, they asked for peace because they depended upon the king's country as a supply of food. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is a voice of a God, not of a man. But immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten with worms and died. So, Maybe Herod didn't get away with it. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. That's another story for another day, though, because we don't like to do those sudden transitions. So we're going to now enter the part of the book where Peter is mainly absent. He'll show up again but it becomes more the story of Paul and to a smaller degree, Barnabas and some of the other apostles, but mainly the story of Paul because Luke enters into the picture about now and the, they will become we fairly soon. So thank you for supporting us. Thank you for uh, being a part of this, um, this great work that's going on. It just means the world to us. May God bless you. May God give you peace. Uh, send us a note every now and then. Let us know how you're doing and how we can serve you. May God grant you peace this week. Cheers.